follow us on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. You will have to enter that in because the fact that we are adult content means that we have agreed to make ourselves unsearchable on their website. My name is Elle and I'm a sex educator. My name is Jen and I'm a private investigator. We want to learn more about ourselves. I'm like the boring vanilla one over here that's like, I don't do anything, but I'm, cu- I'm curious. And the fact that we're both sex workers means that we have insight into things taboo. Trigger warning, if you're easily upset by this stuff, maybe take a break. I have a feeling this is going to be weird. Sex and politics make for some very strange bedfellows. <sighs> Hi, Jen. Hi, Elle. Hi. We got some really good feedback from our survey we did recently uh, for our Instagram followers. Thank you for participating. Um, And people want to hear more about stripper stuff, stripper stories. So I worked last night and I haven't even counted my tips yet because it's Saturday early afternoon as we record this. So I got my six hours of sleep and then I had a consulting client uh, right before you got here. So, and I was working, I'm working with this person on their confidence and their communication. Oh, that's cool. It is really cool. Um, It's also really funny because I, well, I'm not really, it's really hard because when you have multiple jobs and you know, you have to operate under a certain amount of conduct, I feel like I don't have a place ever where I can be lax. And if it is, it would be the strip club. That's the only place I get to be rude to people that are my like potential <laughs> clients. Because <laughs> I'm not going to do it, obviously. Um, I don't have frustration with this person. But last night, I I was standing by the bar in the strip club. And there were two men who I could tell had never been there before. And they were looking around. And they were talking about other clubs they'd been to around the country that they liked or didn't like, whatever. Um. And then one of them noticed me and I have pretty heavily tattooed legs that look like stockings. And so I heard them talking about my legs for about five minutes. And the one guy, he doesn't really like tattoos, but that's interesting and blah, 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 whatever. It's like, I, I can hear all of this. So I like... Because, you know, we have ears. We do have ears. Fun fact, strippers <laughs> have ears. Yep. So I walk over to get some water and I can tell that one of them's trying to catch my eye. So we meet eyes and he does the come here finger thing, which rarely bodes well. I know you're making a face. Did um Because usually then they say, hey, I just want to see if I can make you come with my finger. Do Ew. You ever get, do no. You, I've heard that so many times. Really? Yes. I've never heard that follow up to it. Interesting. I know. It's so pathetic. Yucky. Um, I know. Don't, don't say that. <laughs> Yeah, so, do <laughs> so he does the little <laughs> come here thing. And I'm like, all right, let's go. And he, I said, hello. And he says, hi. And he points up and down from my waist to my feet. And he says, tell us stories. <laughs> I said, tell you stories. Oh, and I clutched my hand to my chest. I was on a good one last night. <laughs> Once upon a time, there were two douchebags in a bar. <laughs> Who thought that they were more important? And well, the ship was already sinking before I even <laughs> stepped onto it. You know, as soon as someone does the thing with their finger, it, again, rarely bodes well. <sighs> so um, I was actually pretty proud of myself. I said, "Okay, each story is twenty dollars. They last three minutes. How many would you like?" 
And his face kind of fell and he says, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. And I said, no, it's okay. I'm available for what I'm available for. Let me know. Pardon me. I'm going back to work. And then I thought about it and I was like, oh, wait, (laughs) let's make this more or less awkward. And I came back and I said, here's my podcast cards you want to hear me tell stories (laughs) one of the guys took theirs the other one did not so if you're listening it's okay it was just a bumpy start and they left it like immediately after (laughs) were they like young guys or old guys no no they were married businessmen 35 to 42 Mm. you know yeah um it can be very difficult to have any patience for any any of it Um, there's a lot going on always, always in the news. We talk about microaggressions once in a while. Um, like for example, I feel typically pretty defensive when I move out into the world. If anyone looks at me because I've had so many negative interactions that resulted from someone initially just looking at me. And I know that I'm a flashy looking person with again, a lot of tattoos. So like a microaggression would be someone maybe pointing to like a part of my body and whispering to someone else that feels aggressive to me. Right. I get, um, so how old are you anyway? That's what I get a lot. I feel like I get a lot of microaggression now around my age. Hmm. People and feel some mild negging. Oh, well you look good for your age. Mm-hmm. Oh gee, thank you. Mm-hmm. And so all of this piles on and then we wonder why the F we're so anxious or depressed or fucking angry or angry. So, I was reading this wonderful, uh, and with all the stuff always in the news, um, like let's speak to the uh, Supreme Court confirmation hearings and the rape allegations against Brett Kavanaugh. Um, we've seen, as we saw with Anita Hill, as we've seen with so many instances of famous, powerful men being called out for sexual assault. Call him Brett Kavanaugh. Um, so remember when we talked about hysteria and how doctors around Civil War era thought that you could cure a woman's mental health by affixing her uterus to a rod. (laughs) What? No. I don't remember that particular detail. That's pretty gruesome. Yeah, really gruesome. Women died during doing this. And this is based off of uh, Greek belief that hysteria was from a wandering womb that insane women, their wombs, their uteruses had actually detached from their body and were floating around in their body. And that's what was causing them anxiety or, you know, schizophrenia or PTSD. There is a, uh, there's an entire book called Hysteria, The Revolt of the Good Girl in the Psychiatric Persuasion, Knowledge, Gender, and Power in America. It's by Elizabeth Lundbeck. So if you heard about Freud, you heard about Sigmund Freud. Oh, yeah. So many of us. He was the uh, pioneer in psychiatry and really honestly was like him and many other creepy old dudes that were obsessed. Did he get so much shit wrong, though? Yes. Obsessed with the idea of female seduction, young female seduction. And and um, everyone's desire for a penis, you know, like we're we're just searching for those penises that we weren't born with. Mm hmm. So this woman, Elizabeth Lundbeck, she studied the psychiatry studies that were going on in the Victorian era, uh, particularly Freud and a peer of his who was L.E. Emerson. And L.E. Emerson practiced at the Boston Psychopathic Hospital, which was one of the first um, in the country hospitals for psychiatric, quote, care. 
Um, and so fewer than 1% of the female patients were diagnosed as hysterical, but in that group, in that population, many of them were studied. And that basically meant sitting down with the patient, (laughs) forcing them to sit down and say, tell me every horrible thing that ever happened to you in great detail. Um, which That's you know, not going to be upsetting. No, right? And it absolutely is kind of what we see today when we're like, okay, come and testify as to exactly what he did to you in as great detail as you can. And then we're going to find a way to invalidate your mental health. Um, with the recent, I listened to the testimony of uh, Dr. Christine Blase Ford and the prosecutor um, asked her, about her anxiety she said she had um, experienced, about her anxiety she said she'd experienced as a result of the uh, attack by Brett Kavanaugh. And the prosecutor said, you know, you said that this contributed to your anxiety. What else were you, did you experience anxiety from? Like what else was going on in your life? What other mental health issues do you have to try to perhaps invalidate right, or discredit? Or, or suggest that it's actually something else that's a bigger, contrib- that this was nothing compared right. to other stuff. So a lot of these women studied that Elizabeth Lundbeck writes about, and she's picking through what they studied. Um, Many of these women wanted to participate in the sexual sphere, but found themselves by reason of sexual abuse, traumatic heterosexual experience, or delicate temperament, psychically and sometimes even physically paralyzed and and unable to act. These hysterics were self-described good girls in an increasingly sexualized world. Girls suffering, in the words of one, from their modesty. So half of these... (laughs) What? Well, that's what one of these women said. She said, I feel that I'm suffering from my modesty. So about half of these women... Yeah, oh yeah. About half of these women were working class. Um, A lot of them were domestic service uh, workers or cooks. Um, these women suffered from a range of psychic and bodily ailments. This was about 150 years ago, but let's apply this to today. Depression, crying, severe inexplicable pains, uh, like chronic pain, vertigo, fainting spells, temporary paraplegias, twitching, tremors, and convulsions beset the most severely afflicted. Um, so all of these women when grouped, fell into about three different categories of equal size. Those who had experienced extreme sexual abuse, either from family members or by strangers. Um, Those who had had some experience with men in their culture considered normal, um, whether it was the boss's hand slipping up their leg or the boyfriend acting on his assumed right to her body. They'd experienced these things as aggression. And the third group were women who had entirely withdrawn from the field of heterosexual play that most of them desperately wanted to be engaged. They'd been scared away by smaller instances. Um, So this is all of these women. I can see that. I mean, fucking A. It scared me away from dating. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm at an age, I don't even think anyone's trying to grope me too hard anymore. I just don't want to be talked. I don't want to be negged on my off time, you know, like constantly by some guy. Sorry. Sorry, guys. I know there's lots of nice ones of you out there who wouldn't do that, but you know. <laughs> so one of Where these, here, here you are. Um, so all of these women's had, all of these women had suffered uh, to s- some degree of some kind of aggression or abuse or violence 
um, because of the sexuality like experienced by their male peers. Um, so listen to this case. Uh, one of L.E. Emerson's patients complained of constantly being apprehensive, plagued by pains in her heart and weakness in her knees, and so afraid she would commit suicide that her mother put the kitchen knives out of reach. She told him that prior to her first breakdown, she, quote, gave way to a man and engaged in regular coitus interruptus with him for a year, even though he sometimes prevailed upon her to have sex when she was less than willing. She worried that she had, quote, led him on, more or less teased him and thought of him as a, quote, good fellow because he said he was prepared to marry her should she become pregnant. Uh, another woman said she felt that there was something wrong with her and that she had been indiscreet in accepting a man's offer to escort her home late and he had raped her, which was her first brush with sex. Um, so all of these psychiatrists started taking all of these reports and they were met with immense skepticism that men actually assaulted women was given short shrift in the scant medical legal literature which focused instead on women's ruinous lies, their misstatements, untruths, stage accusations, and simulated hysterical attacks. Truth is told about once in 13 cases, maintained one self-proclaimed expert. <laughs> the prisons are filled with innocent men falsely accused of rape, declared another. They, the thought that the mere crossing of knees would prevent penetration was a common belief among physicians. As one wrote, quote, Every competent physician knows that sexual assault is physically impossible without consent. These are doctors. This was only 150 years ago. And I mean, a lot of doctors still aren't that woke. No. And you know, honestly, it, yeah. Yeah. And hysteria was actually a term still used in psychiatry until 1980. <laughs> Not that long ago. So what we see is women who have probably a shitload of PTSD due to rape culture and it's their fault, <laughs> you know, quote, their fault. Um, so I just think it's important to remember when we get really frustrated with the goings on in the world that we are still on the heels of many uh, of the undoings of, of many bad things with like the DSM, the diagnostic of statistical manual um, that psychiatrists use. I have issue five in my living room. But again, issue three might have been number three that they took that out. Um, and gayness was also a mental illness until I think number three. So psychiatry is flawed and it has some very flawed roots. And these are our roots. And this is why we have the problems with these things today. It's getting better, and I guess maybe that kind of leads into something that I would like to talk about a little bit, um, is that in most states have their own version of something called a rape shield law. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to read you a little Wikipedia paragraph because it's explained <laughs> very well and, um, and talk to you really about what it means. Um, yeah, what is a rape, rape shield law? All right. A rape shield law is a law that limits the ability to introduce evidence or cross-examine rape complainants about their past sexual behavior. I mean, really, that's that's straight up. Okay. That's that's it, and uh, and that includes honestly being a sex worker like that. At least 
we're woke enough now to realize that just because you've had many sexual partners, it doesn't mean that you are lying about what happened to you. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean, but here's here's the thing, right? So in a court, so the criminal, like the defense attorney can't go after you about that. But where I think a lot of, um, a lot of this bias still comes in is on the prosecution side and whether a DA is actually going to bring your case to trial or not. Because they're also looking at those things. They're looking at your sexual history. Um, Let's explain that real quick. So the DA, the district attorney, is the one that when presented with a case is going to look. Yeah, they decide to take. They're the ones who decide really for usually political reasons whether to take a case like that to trial. Whether a case is going to trial. They're in it to win it. So let me give a quick example if that still doesn't make sense. Unrelated. Um, Once uh, my husband was on a motorcycle, someone threw a bottle at him. I witnessed this. We called 911. You can really, really kill someone if you hit them with a projectile while they're on a motorcycle. So the cops came. They spoke with the people that I had seen throw it, but it was a he said, she said. And I was told by the police um, officer, if we present this to the DA, there's no other witnesses or physical proof. It's just he said, she said, there's not a good chance that this will go anywhere. And so we said, okay, we will not proceed. And that was it. Right. So, yeah. So what happens? So usually the cases that are going to trial, they're getting charged and going to trial, like when you're talking sex abuse or sex assault. And this is just in my my experience, are ones where they have, they have either a, a good vic, and by good vic, I mean they have somebody that... A good victim. Well, someone that's going to look good crying on the stand, because that's when you have a he said, she said scenario when there is not when say this happened years at they reported years after the fact and there is not a lot of physical evidence or any physical or evidence. any physical evidence or any corroborating witnesses and that's actually is when things like sexual history might come in to play probably on the decision making of the prosecution of whether they're even going to bring it to trial or not but th- when you have a good vic right usually someone that's younger younger good student what makes a good victim quote good victim for crying 16 year old white girl with good grades really oh yeah okay like you ruined my virginity kind of deal as opposed to like a sex an outdoor sex worker exactly it okay yeah so unless i mean it's gonna sound terrible but i don't see it as likely in many jurisdictions that maybe a survival sex worker who is an addict is going to come in and have their claims taken seriously mm-hmm. by a prosecutor if there are no witnesses mm-hmm. and no physical evidence mm-hmm. and right. no and not um and not a string of crimes right if there maybe weren't like a bunch of them reporting a serial rapist or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. um, I mean it's on it's shitty and it doesn't mean that it didn't happen mm-hmm. well and this um, is this but that's pr- a political decision i think yeah. it's good it gives me as an investigator it gives me really some pretty clear guidelines as to when i when i work sex abuse and work sex assault cases of what i should be looking for and that's like what um well i look for the honesty well for one obviously i want to find eyewitnesses and corroborating evidence like did you did you see mandy running you know running crying from the uh from behind the building on mm-hmm. this day like mm-hmm. 
she said you did. Mm-hmm. I'll look for things like that. Um, but what you can do is I look for if you're, I ask if they're known as a truthful person. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if you're a promiscuous person, but mm-hmm. it, what is admissible is if you have a, a reputation of, of being a truthful person or not. That's, mm-hmm. um, Mm-hmm. Even though, unfortunately, usually if you have slept with a lot of people, you've probably made some enemies because people get their feelings hurt and people are <laughs> shitheads. So, Ain't that the truth? Right. No, seriously. But that makes it more likely that I will be able to find somebody who's going to be like, yeah, she's lying, you know, mm-hmm. known to be a liar, mm-hmm. you know. Or, it's- yeah, if you interviewed 20 people and said, what's L like? And like, I've slept with, say, 15 of them. I feel like you'd get a pretty good, like, she's all right. Yeah, no, it didn't really cause problems for me and yeah but all i need is two or three good ones to be like so and so lied about this now i've done investigations though where they've you know (laughs) i'm like can't find any evidence they're a liar like everybody has good things to say about this person Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. so this is one of the reasons that and i don't have the answers to this but when we talk about sexual assault and rape cases it is really important to remember that we convict people on criminal cases when there's proof beyond a reasonable doubt beyond a reason however which can be very difficult to prove when it's testimony verbal testimony versus verbal testimony well that's a i was about to say i mean the emotional nature of a trial is like it's a it's a play it's a dramatic experience like the lawyers are in some way like perform who's the better performer mm-hmm. who you know mm-hmm. um and we see defendants and some are some there are there are innocent defendants, which is why you do the work that you do. And there are guilty defendants. So in reference to like the most public trial, the Kavanaugh thing, I didn't watch it. but Apparently he teared up or cried and um, he was very emotional. And so people are saying, look at this, his supporters, look at this innocent man, like crying and having emotions. Of course he has emotions. This is a very embarrassing yeah. public and, and frightening. place to be. <laughs> Yeah, I would cry too. But no, <laughs> tears doesn't mean that's the if thing. I was guilty. Tears don't. I know from a with a very clinical view of it, tears from both the victim and the accused don't mean anything in the face of facts. Yeah, they really, really they shouldn't. But however, that will sway a jury, both yeah. for either side. Yeah, um, and that is why I wish we would move away from punitive, punitive objectives. Like, let's see how long we can put this person in prison. Actually, let's see what we can teach this person about learning new habits or building new skills or something. Uh, There was a creepy cook that worked in a club where I worked once, and I spoke with management about it briefly. And I specifically even said to management, I don't have any interest in getting this person fired because they'll do this behavior at a different club in a different kitchen. Um, I'm interested in talking with them about the behaviors that they need to stop doing and to just minimize them here. Because sometimes it's like better the devil you know. <laughs> right. and, th- and that's the thing is like offenders, you're, n- you're not going to stop the offending if you don't teach them new skills. You're just moving them to different geographic locations. That too, you know, and also too, if you put someone in prison, they're gonna, usually going to learn how to get better at offending. Mm-hmm. They'll uh-huh. get a lot better at offending. Mm-hmm. So we asked you listeners... Let's just bring that to a screeching halt. (laughs) We asked you listeners songs that you don't want to hear in a strip club. Oh boy, oh boy. Are you ready to move on from that one, Jen? Oh yeah, no, I'm ready. I'm just, I'm scrolling down because I accidentally opened this other thing. 
I don't know. Okay, here we are. <laughs> oh, God, this list is ridiculous. Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles. Definitely don't want to hear that in a strip club. Is That's there a so different version of Eleanor Rigby? Please don't say there is. It just occurred to me that this person, when they signed it, they didn't say by the Beatles. Let's see if there's a cover. What else do we got? What else Don't we Stop Believing Journey. Hey, that's a staple at Sassy's, though. Been, people, it sucks. People love that horrible song. I would be happy if I never heard that or Girls, Girls, Girls ever again. Girls, girls, Ugh. girls. Flight of the Valkyries by <laughs> Wagner. Dun, 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 dun. How does that go again? Yeah, I don't want to hear that either. <laughs> anything by Chris Brown. I yeah. agree. I'm going to go as far as I don't want to hear anything that's derogatory by women or written by a woman abuser. Oh, derogatory Played. about women or written by a women abuser. Yeah. In uh, a club where women are dancing. Chris Brown attacked Rihanna. What was that like 11 years ago? He bit her. Yeah, he fucked her up pretty good. He fucked He's her up. Horrible. Pretty serious. Uh Devil's Point is a sister club to where I work, and they, last year, removed all of their R. Kelly songs. You know, people were still playing that shit at my club, too, for a long time. And, and we've known about, haven't we known about him peeing on a 14-year-old girl for a really, really long time? And Aaliyah, all the horrible, like, he's yeah. been a bad guy for R. a long Kelly. time, and people have just given him a pass. He is a chronic... Which I don't understand. ...teen girl sexual manipulator. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know if there's, like, a better term for that. He married singer, now deceased, Aaliyah, when she was, like, 16. He was 25. I think they started their relationship when he was... When she was, like, younger than Probably. Um, let's see. My neck, my back. My pussy, my crack. There's Who does a, that there's song? There's a lot of dancers that would disagree. <laughs> <laughs> who does that song i don't my know man. i feel like i should my know and that's my it. pussy and my crack licky nah licky good sorry <laughs> that's how that song goes right um pour some sugar on me oh god <laughs> i've given so many stage dances to that song a stage dance is when somebody's getting married or having a birthday or getting a divorce or, I don't know, somebody I mean, had a bar mitzvah or something. And back when I worked in the South. we dance for them on stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they would play that. That was like you'd hear that song two, three times a shift. No. Like, forever. Three, no. Yes. Two, three times a shift? Yes. That's sometimes bonkers. Pharrell's Happy. I don't know how that goes. I don't know what that song is. Let's find out. <laughs> Meh. Yeah, that just it just kind of sucks. It's like, eh, yeah. that's just like a milk toast. It's kind of meh. Yeah, I don't really want to hear that in a strip club. I feel I like the either. mood is different than what I want. It is, but I'm probably not going to run screaming out of there <laughs> if I hear that. I'm just going to, that might be when I leave the stage and go to the bar to get a drink. True. You know? Yeah. You know, and I, I try when I, if you are a stripper who has the luxury of choosing your music, one of the things I think you should consider and we've talked about this is the mood mm -hmm. but i will do this check in my head if i'm like does this sound like a filler song right does any of my music sound like a filler song because that is when people will get up and go take a piss and get right. more beer no yeah i um and i choose my songs depending on the time of the night mm -hmm. too like I, t I take song selection very 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 seriously mm -hmm. we've talked about this mm -hmm. um 
someone wrote, I went to a strip club in Mexico and watched a girl dance to I Hope You Dance by Leanne Womack. And it was truly painful. So we had to look that <laughs> song up before um, before we recorded today. Cause we didn't know we what didn't it was. We didn't know that song. <laughs> and it was fucking horrible. Go look that awful. up. It's, it's not a horrible song. It was yes, like, it's a horrible song. It's probably from the early <laughs> 90s. Yeah, it's a really bad like 90s like country song. It sounds really heart-wrenching and like broken-hearted kind of music song Ooh. lyrics. Again, we only listened to the first like But I think it's seconds. about parenting. Okay. Well, then I don't want to yeah. hear that in the club. I don't either. Um Creed. I don't want to hear Creed anywhere. I don't want to hear Creed. Not at a strip club, <laughs> not at the mall, not at the gas station. <laughs> He loves, he loves the Jesus. I, when I was like 14 or 15, I don't know what year it was. Somebody can look this up. But Creed performed at the halftime show on whatever Super Bowl it was. And my parents, I don't think they do anymore. But at the time, I think that was something we watched. It, it, it must have been because I remember watching the halftime. And it was just like sparklers and aerialists and creed and <laughs> yes, I don't bonkers. understand any of those things together. <laughs> no, it was really stressful. I remember looking at the TV and I was like, is this what's cool? Is this what adults are telling me is cool? Oh, I'm so glad that I was, I don't know. I was like into <laughs> punk and stuff like way before any of that shit happened. So I, yeah. I was well away from the late 90s having... butt rock. Yeah, I didn't. I never liked any of that stuff. I never listened to any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, Last Kiss by Pearl Jam. All Pearl Jam sounds the same to me again. Yeah, honestly, I feel like I'm probably going to get some hate mail for this, but I really can't tell Pearl Jam and Creed apart. (laughs) They both have that that like sat that kicked dog voice, like dog howling in the kennel kind of like voice. I I would if I had to pick (laughs) one for my deserted island, it would be Pearl Jam. But that's not saying a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I would might pick silence. <laughs> well, I didn't know silence was an option. It's always an option. <laughs> um, and lastly, <laughs> that's that Sarah so- McLaughlin's song from the ASPCA commercial. <laughs> <laughs> I can't sing it. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't. Maybe if yeah, I was imagining, though, like a really pathetic, bedraggled Oof. girl. Oof. Maybe that's like her thing. Oof. Yeah. Who knows it? Ooh, I've seen like. a. Tr- OK, <laughs> I used to. I used to work with some strippers who were like 23, but looked like they were 17. And they were like just their client was the creepy old men. And their mm-hmm. their role was like the wounded baby oh yeah so awkward to watch but they made but i gotta give it props when it's like cynical when they're like i know it you know yeah if a girl's wearing if a stripper if a grown stripper woman is wearing like ruffled baby socks (laughs) those thin thin little socks i'm like oh you're trying to look like a baby whore which is a thing not my thing but it works for some people you know what it never looked good on me but on some folks i'm just like i said to the dj last night i said i feel like i have another decade in me and he's he blinks and he's like yeah i believe that and just hearing that was like 
if I'm lucky, <sighs> I have another 10 months. <laughs> if you're listening, everyone. But I, def- I don't know, though. Like, I-, I think that a certain your 30s, you shouldn't have to be pretending that you're that you're a young baby that's when you should be moving on to like the expensive fancy nice lingerie that matches to say hey have Mm -hmm. a i'm luxury have a conversation with me and pay me accordingly Mm -hmm. i'm gonna have to start changing my attire because i the girl next door i feel like i'm not the girl next door i'm the woman that's telling you to stay the fuck off my lawn like treat me differently (laughs) Yeah, that's, I'm, um, I'm older, you know, that's where I moved to. And that's like my whole hustle changed. I mean, I, it's nice. Like I'm, I was having a conversation, uh, like a text conversation with a buddy of mine who was just one of my favorite dancers ever and was kind of bitching that she wasn't going to come back to this certain club because the, um, the boss was no longer giving her those like Friday night shifts. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I just don't have time for those days and mids. And I'm like, to be fair, though, she's still fairly at the top of her game. Mm, so, like, it's too early for her to be. But I'm like, girl, that to the that side. open and mid money, like, I, I do really well. Well, then that can be your shifts. secret. And yeah, and like, working. I don't know. I I can't imagine wanting to work a Friday night shift again. I guess that's Fuck where that. she's still at because that's just her age. I yeah. mean, I still do Friday night shifts, but again, I feel like I have another 10 years in me because I'm 10 years behind you. So yeah, we're basically right on the same timeline. <laughs> uh, let's take a break. Attention service and sex industry workers. Seeking Space Yoga is dedicated to providing a holistic option for after your shift with new 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. class times. Seeking Space is rooted in empathy and they've combined creative flows and experienced teachers to provide a safe, inviting space for any and all wishing to find peace on the mat. Need a little motivation? They are offering 10% off on all memberships and packages for those in the industry. Visit SeekingSpaceYoga.com or download the Seeking Space Yoga app for more information and a full list of class times. Passion by Kate is an award-winning resource for women and couples who crave a more intimate, exciting, and fulfilling sex life. Passion by Kate's affirming writing, workshops, and one-on-one counseling help you create a new level of openness and intimacy with your partner without feeling awkward, twisting yourself into a pretzel, or spending hours a day on intimacy-building activities. Learn more and find hashtag freedom and pleasure at Passion by Kate. That's K-A-I-T dot com. Mention this podcast to receive a complimentary 30-minute counseling session when you purchase any Passion by Kate product or service. If you're looking to jazz up a jacket, bag, or just your fine self, our friends at Gimme Flare have everything you could possibly need. Gimme Flare is the largest online retailer of pins and patches that range from the cute and sweet to the snarky and slutty. They are sex positive, queer friendly, and aim to crush mental health stigma, all with fun flair from around the globe. Check out gimmeflare.com to browse items from over 250 plus artists. Welcome back to Strange Bedfellows. Mm-hmm. Visit us on Patreon if you want to hear the after show. And I've started journaling again. I used to, when I was on 
a nude modeling website. I was a really regular journal blog keeper and wrote some good sex stories and told a lot of my secrets to the world for some reason. So I'm putting them on Patreon again. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. Shall we do unsolicited letters? Oh, yes. So this one, short disclaimer, was not sent to us. It was sent to a good friend of mine. And this person had a YouTube channel that was recently deleted. They're not famous or anyone that you probably followed. Uh, but this is a real person who really believes the things that we're about to read. And this is why you need to sometimes remember to take a step back from your computer. <laughs> <laughs> and also every so often make, you know, try to, uh, protect your data. So people like this can't find you because mm-hmm. <laughs> this is, uh, mm-hmm. this is kind of a weird letter. Mm-hmm. Um, shall I read it? Yeah, read it. I'm on a mission from God. But my God is not a fake God made out of air and lies. My God is a genetically superior superhuman and is quite taller than normal people. He has magical powers and advanced technology who flies in a UFO. (laughs) Don't we all, honey? (laughs) Life is a test to see who is worthy to make it into his army when you die. If you are found worthy, they will collect your DNA and you can live forever on worlds that make this one look like a fucking dump. That wouldn't be hard. (laughs) White people have traces of their superhuman DNA in us, and that is why the Jews seek to eliminate our race, because they are enemies of God. That's why the Jewish ape... Oh, that's why the Jew lets ape men into our countries and promotes race mixing at every chance on the TV. It's another form of white genocide. That's why all people like you have been turned into useless fucks by them, with their TV showing you all being a complete piece of trash is cool. You have all been brainwashed to do their work for them. Behind closed doors, the elite Jews have been <clears throat> sacrificing white children forever. Paid for you by George Soros. <laughs> paid for you. Paid, paid for by, by Infowars. Yeah. Um <sighs> Well, cuz obviously here at strangebedfellows.com, we are we are George Soros shills. I'm <sighs> still um, so I'm waiting for my Goldman Sachs check to get here oh um God. so I can keep fighting the Zionist conspiracy what what the fuck I don't know what am I even talking about you've um, said too that, much you let that, them know about right our, now they're gonna know our whore agenda yeah <laughs> god that was nuts that was nuts well, so these are the kind of people that honestly you should there should be a button for where you're like um, you know how it's like, I'm concerned about this person. You, you should have an option to be like, I think this person's going to commit a shooting. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, just some folks we don't even try arguing with or wasting a whole lot of time on. That's kind of why I like to do this segment sometimes. Um, you just have to pick your battles and remember that people are people are wild man no that person would definitely get the delete and block treatment from me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so let's do some listener questions all righty can you read the first one i will so you've mentioned before that many kinds of medications can mess up a woman's ability to have an orgasm what should i avoid Ooh. not just a woman's anybody (laughs) yeah right so i'm not a doctor uh my disclaimer is that some medication works great for people other medication doesn't 
the point that I think we can make with this question is to ask your doctor um, because your doctor might not know because a lot of times in clinical trials, they don't ask their participants anything about their sexual functioning um, or clinical trials can go for like a short amount of time. So if you're not having regular sex anyway, you might not notice for a long time that your sexual functioning has even been impacted. Um, but I have a handy dandy little list here and this is not exhaustive medications that can cause sexual problems. Uh, this is from, this is a copy from Harvard medical school. It is on behalf of Anita P. Hoffer. She works um, with women's health, women's sexual health. So ACE inhibitors are for heart disease. If you take any antidepressants, like say Celexa, Prozac, Paxil, antifungals, such as, uh uh-huh. And I don't actually know, I don't have a breakdown as to why. (laughs) Um, But so like for the heart disease, let's go back. For the ACE inhibitors for heart disease, uh, results, possible side effects is low libido, erectile dysfunction, antidepressants, um, possible sexual side effects is low libido, erectile dysfunction, female arousal problems. When they say female, they mean vaginal, anyone who has a vagina. Um, so erectile dysfunction can be a result of antifungals. I do not know why. That is something I encourage people Isn't to look antifungals, into. Antifungals, is that like what you would, you would take that orally, like what for like the toenail fungus that won't go away? Yeah, uh, hmm. or maybe a yeast infection. Antihistamines, people use those for allergies. That can result in vaginal dryness and erectile dysfunction. Um, I can see that because it mm-hmm. gives you mouth dryness really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's a. I do know it's a vasoconstrictor, so all your blood vessels, everything shrinks up. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, anti-ulcer drugs for acid reflux or heartburn or ulcers can, no. re- can result in low libido, erectile dysfunction. Beta blockers, which are for heart disease or no. high blood pressure. <laughs> And anxiety, if you have, um, I have a prescription for beta blockers because I used to get test anxiety Mm. so bad Mm -hmm. when I was in college that I would like have like horrific panic attacks. So that's interesting. Um, Again, I'm not an expert on this. I invite everybody to ask their doctor or their psychiatrist. Um, With beta blockers, those can actually be helpful for people who have sexual dysfunction because of their anxiety. Hmm. So yeah, I guess it just depends. It can totally depend on the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's and the use that it's being prescribed for, mm-hmm. and all your other variables, uh, like what's emotionally in your world going on, because mm. maybe it isn't the medication, or maybe it's both. Uh, calcium channel blockers, people use those for heart disease, um, erectile dysfunction can be a possible side effect. Cholesterol lowering drugs can result in erectile dysfunction diuretics which is what people use for high blood pressure or fluid retention um, all of these can result in erectile dysfunction vaginal arousal problems orgasm difficulties nitrates which people take for chest pain uh, tranquilizers that people take for anxiety those can result in erectile dysfunction and general difficulties like everything else and then some miscellaneous are any anti-cancer drug no i'm sorry some anti-cancer drugs, estrogens, uh, propecia, which is to help you grow your hair, oh, can result in erectile dysfunction. Um, there are many, many things. So if you're anybody who takes any medication, 
and you feel like maybe your body isn't as physically reactive to stimulus, talk to your doctor. There you go. Or give feedback. That's the other thing. Um, If there's ever ways to give feedback, that should always be invited because these companies don't know if people don't tell them, but they often don't ask. So I hope that was helpful. (laughs) Okay, let's read the second question. Second question. This question is really more of a generally general inquiry on squirting or female ejaculation. Whether searching Google or most of the major medical journals, which I have access to through my work, it seems there is a lot of conflicting information about what it is, how it happens, how common it is, how, bleh, how common it is, what type of stimulation simulated that type of response, etc. In my personal experience and in talking with partners and friends, it seems like female ejaculation is actually quite common among women with, for lack of a better term, talented partners who they are comfortable with sexually. Mm -hmm. But the internet deems it a myth, and my eyes rolled back into the back of my head every time I read that. This is not a major health concern, but more of a general inquiry for myself and my network. That's a good question. Well, I mean, obviously it's not a myth because I'm sure we've all all seen it oh yeah i can do it um so i was reading a fun study (laughs) so first of all the reason there's not a lot of information around this is is because science hasn't really investigated the inner workings of women's sexual arousal (laughs) and functioning um and we're starting to now in the last few decades um so i guess because only in the last couple of decades so has society really cared if we enjoyed things or not? Well, yeah. I mean, think about it. Viagra was made long before there was any kind of arousal prescription for women. And even the ones they make for women aren't anything I've read anything good about. Squirting, when I do it or when I've had it done to me, I notice that it's when I'm usually if I've already had an orgasm or been very aroused. So there's a lot of blood flow and often lubrication. Um, my G-spot, which is something that was named in the 1950s by a dude named Ernest Graffenberg, uh, probably people... Oh my have God, of course he named it Named it after himself. himself. I know. I'm sure it's something that people have known existed for a while, but, you know, he named it that. Uh, so if that's really stimulated and it feels kind of spongy... So there was a study I was looking at of some 14 uh, cadavers and they were checking their bodies for this region around the G-spot and some of the cadavers just didn't have it. So we, when folks say, I don't think I have a G-spot or I don't think I have sensitivity around that area to have vaginal orgasms, that very much could be the case. Yeah, I I, I think I'm one of those people. Okay, I don't have wisdom teeth. I had Weird. an x-ray. They've Lucky never, you. I know they've never been in there. So, um, so don't stress yourself out if you can't find it. Cause maybe you just don't have that going on for you. The fluid itself. So we've talked about Skeen's glands maybe once it's a lubricant sus- substance. It's the watery substance in semen, um, that the prostate produces the Skeen's gland in people with vaginas has probably a similar function. So it's it creates lubricant, watery fluid. Um, and because people with vaginas and people with penises, we all kind of start out similar and grow apart. Um, scientists think that it might be kind of like the equivalent. 
like a skein's is similar to a prostate. So if both of these swell and fill with fluid, um, it would make sense that when it's stimulated, it could squeeze some fluid out. However, when they have measured um, people who, women, I'm just using cis terms because it's easier, but uh, vaginal ejaculators, uh, when they measured the content of the squirt, it was either skein's gland fluid or um, a watery fluid that had urine in it. So there's, there is pee in squirt. Huh. There absolutely is. It might not necessarily be all pee. Um, and I mean, pee is mostly water. Is it coming out of the bladder at the same, like does maybe the pressure of something like force some pee out or how does it get from the bladder like well i mean if you're having an orgasm and you bear down it's not uncommon for people to pee or poop a little anyway if you have stuff going on i've certainly i've pooped on a guy's balls once when i was (laughs) holy shit can we talk can we tell that story in the after show yeah let's do in the after show (laughs) i feel like i told that story on my old podcast but maybe not um i'll tell it better this time uh so if that bothers you, the fact that there's a little bit of urine in squirt, um, I'm sorry, but if you're licking pussy, I have a surprise for you. You're already getting all kinds of biological components in your mouth. You know, I mean, skin cells, probably a little poop in there. Buttholes are really close to vaginas, really. That is true. Yeah. There's a great comedian, and I can't remember her name, but... She says something about like, we're not humans when we're fucking, we're animals. And you're kind of just like, blah, I might get shit in my mouth if you're having good <laughs> sex. Um, so yeah, there's still a lot of mystery around vaginal ejaculation. Some people can do it. Some people can't. Um, go pee, have a full bowel and urinary movement before you want to try. And then have water on hand so you're actually hydrated. Um vibration helps g-spot stimulation can help g-spot and clitoral stimulation can help if you feel like you're going to have an orgasm push down and sometimes remove whatever if anything is penetrating you some people find it helpful to slap or rub um, on their outer area to stimulate ejaculation um yeah good luck (laughs) there you go i hope that was helpful um and then, oh, I do have one quote from this doctor. I was looking at his slides, trying to see if I could find anything else out. Women who report female ejaculation in the absence of other urinary tract symptoms do not require further investigation and may be reassured that it is an uncommon but physiological phenomenon. So in a nutshell, that's how I'm going to say we feel about squirting. <laughs> It's uncommon, but it happens. Mm. It's probably more possibly common. Than we I think. feel like it's another one of those things that you always hear, like some dipshit guy going, "Every woman can squirt. I could make you do it. <laughs> I know how to make. I make all my partners squirt." As long as he doesn't have a problem with a little bit of pee, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, friends! Do you get sore muscles or stiff joints like us? How's your skin? Is it dry, itchy, irritated, bruised, or sunburnt? If so, it sounds like you need some Nabalm in your pocket. Nabalm, that's N-A-E-B-A-L-M, is an all-natural skin and body balm handmade right here in Portland. Nabalm products use a base of organic olive oil and beeswax followed by an infusion of therapeutic essential oils, each of which provides all sorts of benefit. 
Oh yes, and they smell amazing. To learn more, check out nabalm.com or search Nabalm on Facebook or Instagram. Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Visit her office in Portland or connect via Skype to take your intimate life to the next level. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. So did you ever watch that movie American Pie? Unfortunately, I did. My dad and my little brother loved all those crappy, gross-out comedies. So usually spending time with both of them and watching these you watched movies. American Pie with your dad and your brother? Yes. Oh my god, that sounds very uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean I mean, the main character fucks a pie at one point. I know. And then someone else drinks beer with semen in it and all of it revolves around these four or five boys that are trying to lose their virginity by prom night. Very awkward. Eugene Levy's in there somewhere. <laughs> I mean, I was raised by my dad. I was kind of raised like a guy, except for except that I had different rules, right? Like my brother could do whatever, but you know, I wasn't. There's that dominant culture. Yep. You're safe as long as you blend in, but not really. You don't have right. access to the same thing. Um, I used to like, no doubt, uh, Gwen Stefani before uh, Return of Saturn or Jupiter or whatever. I liked her basically her first three projects when she was like 19. And that I'm just a girl song mm. was literally based on her parents not letting her drive her car at nighttime. And there's <laughs> a l- line in there you can probably recall about that. Uh, and I always thought that was just like probably why that song was so popular in the in the mid 90s with the Riot Girl and the pop girl like Spice Girl movement. Like, please let me do the things I want to do like everyone else. Walk down the street, drive a car at nighttime. Um I never saw Animal House. It was before our time. I actually never saw that either. Um, I mean, just because there was only so many of these garbage movies, you know, that I would have time to see. I saw Porky's. I saw like Porky's, Meatballs, like all those bad, like, I mean, that 90s gross out shit was bad, but the 80s was pretty bad too. Very sexist. I mean, God, weird science. Um until I read this article, I, I mean, I loved all the, I loved 16 Candles. I loved The Breakfast Club. Which one of those movies? Um, 16 Candles is the one where... Where it has the chick passed out in the car and Anthony Michael Hall is like taking a Polaroid with his, you know. Isn't there one where um, the boy is debating whether or not to go touch somebody's boob when she's passed out or something? Yeah, that's, um, I believe that was 16 Candles. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's hugely problematic i can't imagine something like that getting released now and not right so and look at this is this is what our parents or we you and me grew up with not so much our younger Mm. listeners but take a look at these sex and high school and adolescent movies when you see them come out and look at what they're actually teaching you because porkies i never saw that movie but let me tell you when i heard shower scene voyeuristic shower scene my (laughs) mind immediately flashed to i am a small child in my parents living room and the that movie is on and boys are spying on a bunch of women showering in the white towel yeah and i know that because i've seen that on and that freaked me out then even like revenge of the nerds 
and I love and it's sad because part of me loves Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, what was the name of the guy that played Booger? He was like one of my I first didn't crushes. See that, but didn't one of the girls get fooled into having sex with some? Yes. One? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, so tell about a big that. plot point in that movie. So all the nerds. So there's um the hot Biff couple, right? That are the king and queen of the mean bad jocks and then there's like the nerds who are really the good guys and all that and mm-hmm. the main nerd ends up um wearing some costume where the hot jock popular jock girl thinks that he's someone else and like fucks him in a funhouse. yeah you know yeah and so. then he and of course he fucks her real good and then she's like and fig- she figures out who he is and she's like oh my god i just fucked a nerd and it was great and oh yeah and the line you know, is like we have all that time to think about sex. That's why nerds are better at sex. Something we, we don't play sports. Like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so can you imagine the guys writing that? They're like, man, we're really just like doing good work here because like jocks are bad and nerds are good. Right. So let's reward the good nerds. Isn't it weird how now nowadays really the nerds are just as bad as the jocks are. The Incels. computer science fucking engineer majors angry incels who are nice guys who are angry that women that they're Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'm i'm nice i'm owed a woman you know Mm -hmm. funny how that's Mm-hmm. how that's so, worked again when we like get really stressed out and we're like why is the world like this well you have to go back and look at kind of the history of why the world is like this uh, and i just want to use this like time just an op seems like a good time for me to just talk about how much i fucking hate the james bond franchise <gasps> please do oh yeah. god what okay. a fucking bunch of horse shit fucking lame um I, yeah i mean he's like just just been a way to like market cool like masculinity towards fucking insecure dudes for 40 years or however long this shit has been going on Mm -hmm. a lot of the women die yeah or they're born isn't there one he like straight up punches a chick i think um which james bond was that i can't remember because they all are kind of the same (laughs) to me and i don't know if i've ever watched a whole one all the way through my least favorite, I haven't seen all of the James Bond. Again, like this stuff was just on because my dad would be like, okay, you know, this is my culture. I was a little too highbrow for my family mm. growing up. But so that's so obscure. That's why you moved here. Right. But that's just, to me just as offense, this like, I, I really am really suspect of this like culture, gentleman culture. You know, the dudes that like fucking worship this idea of them being some sort of like debonair debonair playboy type tough playboy type yeah i i'm gonna fucking pass that's a big red flag for me if you're into jane that's up there with like going to a dude's house and seeing that their bookshelf is full of palinuic and bukowski i'm like ooh, i'm gonna leave now how do you say his last name i don't know how to say palinuic isn't it palinuc chuck palinuc the guy who wrote the the fight club the but yeah, yeah that's a big red flag ladies if if he's really into bukowski and really into palinuk i'm gonna say if he also i'm just gonna throw hemingway in there too <laughs> we've talked um, about Hemingway. yeah then he's uh maybe not good future material i would maybe leave because i you know yeah at is- worst he's gonna sit there and fucking try to explain it to you all night and tell you why why you should really give it another chance I remember I got really bummed out on one of the James Bond movies where it was some woman he's interested in and she gives him some little bit of information. He goes back to revisit her and she's been like strangled in a hammock or something. And I was like, 
oh, cool, prop. That woman was a prop. Yeah. And you see that a lot in these spy movies. These women are all props right. to the main character. There will never be a female James Bond. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's pause real quick because I want to bring up the Bechdel test. Oh, I love the Bechdel test. Yeah. Okay. Are you familiar with the Bechdel test? Yes, but not an, I don't. I not enough to like explain it real well. But it's when you've got to have so much uh, screen time, right, devoted to things that are are not around a central male character, right? Yeah. Um, apparently, it's named after American cartoonist Alison Bechdel. And it's a method for evaluating the portrayal of women in fiction. So you check with the work and does it feature at least two women who talk to each other at any point about something other than a man? And also the two women should probably be named. So we knew who they are. Um, So look for this in film. See if this doesn't or does ever happen. And I'll do this when I sit with boyfriends sometimes and it's, very, very rarely that I feel like he doesn't fully get me. But the, if there's ever a time where we don't overlap, it's in the mo- some of the movies he likes because he'll like some action movies. And I'm like, huh, look at how that woman was just discarded. Or look at that. Well, that was mildly horophobic. And he he's like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, it's really hard for me to watch a lot of things. <laughs> I'm kind of weird. I don't like action movies at all. I actually felt I went to. I remember when Independence Day came out many oh my billions God. of years ago. We will not go quietly into the night. Well, I went with whatever <laughs> little boyfriend I had at the time because I was pretty young. I think there was like that like 26 year old boyfriend I had when I was like 16 or 17. No. I love your the honesty. Much, the much older boyfriend. Yeah, I thought I was cool. I was being molested. Huh. Well, anyway, <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, that's a joke. Only there, if you but, really feel that way. Uh, in hindsight, I feel very taken advantage of. That's fair. But that's um, that's a story for another time. Oh yeah. Um, but I went, so I went to see this movie. I believe with him and fell asleep in the first half hour because that like bang bang fucking airplane sh- alien shit just doesn't do it <laughs> for me. <laughs> I like oh, yeah, like Smith. whiny Russian film, arty film. You know, I don't know. I don't do mainstream comedy. I don't really do mainstream films. Films that you much. know. The only thing I want to give credit to Independence Day for because it's a doofy movie, and I loved it when <laughs> I was a kid. There's a stripper in that movie. Vivica That's a. right. Fox is a stripper, how it was and an, she's um, yeah. a, a protagonist. She's a main character. She actually became a really involved character and, and looking back as an adult I was like remember that ridiculous movie I forgot about that until you just brought that shit up right yeah. now black Damn. woman stripper single parent mm. who like handled some shit that's true comes out of left field anyway the rest of it but anyway you felt you fell asleep you fell yeah, asleep, I fell asleep with because that shit's creepy boring <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't I don't like action those movies, movies are either. boring all those big dumb space movies I, n- I never go see any of that shit because I don't care you're an art house bitch. Yes. Yeah, you are. I'm a I'm a whiny no fun Nick. That's okay. Um, yeah. So write to us. Tell us some things you've noticed in movies, maybe that you never noticed before. If you revisit them, pillow talk at strangebedfellowspdx.com. Um, I kind of want to skip the masturbation one. So we had some feedback uh, from a dancer. A couple weeks ago, I posted something on Instagram. It was a picture of a sign in a dressing room in a club in Las Vegas. And the sign was basically saying, don't do extras. 
uh, don't do full service work in the club, but it was worded in such a hateful, vaguely racist and insulting way that I reposted this photo, you know, with permission from the original poster. I'm going to read the sign. Yeah. So this is the original sign that was posted. Okay. All right. I'm, this is not very nice. Okay. What part of not being a whore was not understood? Now that I have your attention, I'm repeating myself like a broken record. Not that any of you were alive when those existed. Do not suck a customer's dick. I do not care what language you speak. Learn the word blowjob in English or what city you name yourself after, Madrid. (sighs) Do not. While we have your attention, I will now begin to reverse any credit card charge for a VIP where the entertainer was outside of the dance room for more than 15% of the total time. I don't know how you would actually measure that unless you're counting minutes, which I guess they are. I'm just imagining some fucking prick owner like poking his head in the corner you know using it as an excuse to like watch someone's dance because he's a perv all right without um so i will now begin to reverse any credit charge for a vip where the entertainer was outside of the dance room for more than 15 percent of the total time this means you actually have to dance and entertain for the time you are being well paid not just get bored and wander off thank you all again your irritated leader blank 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 um Wow. So what happens sometimes um, if customers pay for an hour and they pass out or they get bored or they get whatever time they need, like sometimes you can just leave early. So, dude, and sometimes you need to take little breaks from these people. If you have like a gropey, intense person mm-hmm. in a VIP room, I mean, I, I haven't worked at a club that has a VIP room in many, many years, but back in the South, and in Denver, other places where I've worked where you would sell champagne rooms by the half hour, an hour. Like some of these people, you're just spending an hour fighting them off mm-hmm. and you need to take a breather. Mm-hmm. So we got a response to that sign. This woman says, this is from the same owner. Wait warning. On July of this year, the club will be terminating the contracts of all dancers who are considered overweight slash out of shape this is an advance warning so you have a month in which to tone up and or drop the weight this is for you to decide if you think you are in great shape great if you know you could be doing a lot better get started body type of course will be taken into consideration as well as other factors good luck all Oh, gee. If you would like a vague threat that also doesn't give you enough time to change how your body is put together, a month is not enough time. It's not enough time to lose five pounds if you want to lose five pounds, let alone 30, which is usually what the owners think you need to lose. I remember um, Denver was really bad about this. Um, So I worked at a club in Denver um, where the girls were all pretty hot, um, but... I don't know, maybe people got slack in or they just weren't hot in the way. I don't know. The uh, owner's wife put up, the, who was also, I think, part owner too, put up this picture in the dressing room where it was like a photo of some Victoria's Secret model or some Fredericks of Hollywood ad or some shit like that and circled all the things that like, she looks, she whitens her teeth. She, you know, they like, has a tiny waist, wears these kinds of clothes is has smiling Photoshop. and like yeah exactly has and Photoshop. like all this shit that obviously we did not possess it wasn't very good for morale i can't imagine <laughs> you know no and this lady who's writing in she says after this note was posted most of the girls at the club 
including the young and the very in-shape 18-year-old girls, stopped buying meals from our house mom for nearly two weeks. I'm 5'5 and 140, and I was even put on the, quote, fat list this year, and it made me overthink about my body. Hmm. Nice. Yeah. She said, sorry. Uh, yeah, she said, I hope one day it can be less of one of the rules of the stripper club edict. Certainly, I agree. And you know what? There's like, there's different ways to communicate your needs to the people who work in your establishment. And obviously this guy is not good at communicating. Yeah. Man. Pick your battles, ladies. <laughs> the things we have to put up with in order to earn money sometimes. No matter where you work, obviously. Ah, so again, um, if anyone feels like you have trouble moving through the day without constantly feeling anxious or guilty or ashamed of your sexuality or your mental health or your history, there's a long history in this country and in like patriarchal societies of blaming you for how you are treated. So, you know, it's not your fault. <laughs> it isn't. No. Ah. <sighs> So check us out on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. Until next time. <laughs> yeah. For more strange bedfellows, check us out on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows and become a supporter for access to behind the scenes material and extra content. My name is Elle Stanger and you can find me at stripperwriter.com and on Instagram at stripperwriter. My name is Jen. You can reach me on strangebedfellowspdx.com. <laughs>